and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Hello, this is Vidas Pinkavichus. And Usha Pinkavichina. And uh, today's podcast will be very special. Uh, we are in the town of Nida, uh, where last night we performed a uh, forehand organ duet performance, complete six organ uh, sonatas uh, by Franz Seidelmann, a Mozart contemporary. And uh, this podcast will feature some of our accounts and experiences uh, uh, from last night, and you will find out all about what it takes to prepare and perform uh, such a recital and how to deal with challenges in life situations when your organ decides not to behave. Let's go to the show. So, Osha, we played another concert uh, with you in Nida uh, in Four Hands. That was uh, Six Sonatas uh, by Zeidelman, Franz Zeidelman. Um, but this is the second time we played this program. Remember, six weeks ago, uh, we performed the same uh, program at our church, Vilnius University St. John's Church. So, uh, how do you feel about those two concert, if, concerts, if you compare them, uh, which one was uh, easier for you? Well, it's, it's a hard question to answer. I think, after all, this one, the last one in Nida was harder. Although we were b- both very different. Mm-hmm. And yet we had things in their own way. Right. And um, which one was more fun to perform? I would say the last one because we had more adventures. Adventures, yes. And you will hear all about those adventures in this podcast, I hope. Uh, because it's so fresh in our mind. Because uh, we just played it yesterday. So fantastic. Let's start from the top, from the beginning. Um, how did we decide about this program? Uh, who inspired us to play all six sonatas by Franz Zeidelman? Well, we had a score. Actually, we had two additional Two additions editions. of score, yeah. So, we chose one of them, actually, to perform. And why uh, why we chose this horizontal, the horizontal layout of the edition, edited by Bernard Brauchli? Because it's actually easier to turn pages on horizontal edition, mm-hmm. comparing to the vertical one. And who was Franz Zeidelman, by the way? Actually, he was Mozart's contemporary composer, almost contemporary composer. He lived in Dresden all his life, Germany, mm-hmm. and he performed operas, I believe. Wrote operas, right? Wrote operas, yes. Wrote operas, and actually also wrote six sonatas mm-hmm. for four hands. And it's a nice thing about the sonatas. We are written only for a keyboard, but you actually can play it on the harpsichord, clavichord. Piano, actually, and the organ. Mm-hmm. So these six sonatas uh, were uh, written in the tradition of 18th century, 
uh, for two musicians to perform on one keyboard, right? And uh, that was usually a, a family music making, right? Where, where um, for example, husband and wife, wife would be performing um, a piece of music together on one keyboard. Not necessarily, I would say, husband and wife. I think after marriage, probably no performance would end up. But in those days, it was really popular. You, you see, for example, even on the title page of our of our um, edition of Six Sonatas for Two Keyboards or One Keyboard by Franz Seidelman, there is an engraving from 18th century, original engraving, where really uh, two people are playing those pieces probably um, on one keyboard and and it, more interesting uh, at the same engraving is uh, not visible but uh, on 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 the edge uh, there is uh, another person listening sort of a friend family friend right uh, leaning on a stick i will put uh, i will put this uh, photo in, in the description of this of this conversation, so that everybody can 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 see it. So, uh, so uh, did you find that uh, the the music uh, um, of of Zeidelman was suitable for uh, audiences that come to Nida? And we have to remind right our listeners what Nida is. Can you tell a little bit what the town of Nida is? Well, this is a little town on the coast, and it's on the peninsula. Mm -hmm. So it's basically, you know, for summer tourists. They come there and, you know, are having fun, going to sea bathing and having all other summer attractions. And there are also this quite old Lutheran church, and it has organ built by Raymond Gutschers. It has two manuals and, and pedals, actually root positive, which is very rare thing in Lithuania to have. And 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 there are summer organ concerts. Mm -hmm. Organized by the uh, new organ forum, uh, which is led by our friend uh, Balis Vaitkus, uh, and um, he sort of organizes every summer this festival for 15 years. This is 15 years uh, he does that. So Yes, actually, and he does it not alone because his wife, Vita, helps him a lot. Right. So they are both our friends and colleagues, and we um, interact with them and uh, collaborate with them quite frequently in, on numerous occasions and numerous projects. So going back to, to our to our recital, uh, do you think that uh, tourists who come, especially German tourists, right, who come to this concert have enjoyed this concert? I think so, yes, because the composer was German and, you know, music was, I think, easy to listen to. It's easy to listen to music, but it's hard actually to perform. Mm -hmm. So we thought about those things before choosing the program, of course. What would be pleasurable for our listeners, for future, would be inter uh, uh, German tourists, for example, who, who are not really coming to Nida to listen to organ music. They're coming to, to Nida to um, have, I don't know, to have vacation, right? To, to have some fun uh, on the seacoast, but not necessarily 
to listen to organ music and they they come to organ recitals sort of incidentally because there are several cultural activities going on in those in those days during their vacation time and they can choose from them right sure because it's not really fun to lie on the beach all week long so they come especially at the evenings to concerts Yes, but actually this year we got a bad competitor to our recital because now in, in Europe, in France, actually it's uh, soccer. Yeah, European, uh, European, European soccer uh, cup. Yes. And you know the things happening at the same time, so we are sort of have a competition which is hard to compete, actually. Right. Uh, um but uh, on the other hand, um, people who love uh, uh, soccer, they would uh, probably not really go to organ concerts anyway. So it's maybe not necessarily a real, real competition, right? Um, we were joking that uh, the organizers could put up a screen in front of the church where they could televise uh, a football uh, match. And we could play uh, like a like musical interpretation for sure. four hands uh, on that match, like a silent movie. Uh, so going back to our concert uh, yesterday, uh, yes, it was it was an interesting um, preparation, right? Uh, can you tell us, Osha, um, how did we practice uh, for that uh, at home before that? Uh, perhaps even going back to, to our first recital in Vilnius, University St. John's Church, how did we manage to practice on one on one um, organ bench for four hands? Well, actually, we started quite early. This is not the first you know, organ duo program that we are doing, so we are used to each other a lot, I would mm-hmm. say. But with, with Eidelman, actually, two sonatas we had performed before on various occasions, especially the first one. <clears throat> but number three to number six, we just learned, you know, for these two recitals. But we started actually quite early. I would say at the late uh, February, mm-hmm. because we did not have so much time to practice both together. And this is such sort of music that you cannot practice on your own. You have to do it mm-hmm. together. So we would play like, you know, half an hour at night, maybe, you know, three, four times a week. And there are six sonatas, right? And each sonata consists of three parts. And it's very interesting because um, it's very traditional layout, uh, fast, slow, fast movement, three movements. And in each of the five sonatas, the relationships of the keys between one, two, and one is always the same. Is always the same. It's tonic, subdominant, tonic. So the first sonata starts in C major, the second part starts in the F major, and going back to C major on the third part. The second sonata starts in F major, then second movement starts in B flat major, and then the third movement is in F major and so on, right? Um, except with one occasion, the sonata number four is in E-flat major, and the second part is sort of the relative key, six-scale degree key, C minor. Key. 
Yeah, parallel key, exactly. So, so that's its layout, except uh, for the sixth sonata, which is written in G minor. Uh, I think every movement is written in G minor, and it has sort of slow introduction, right? Slow introductory movement. Then a faster fugue, the only fugue in the cycle. Uh, and then even slower ending, right? Solemn, solemn, pompastic sort of ending of the entire cycle. So it was sort of a very dramatic ending, ending recital in minor key. Yes, and at the beginning, even before playing at St. John's Church in Vilnius, we thought maybe it's not such a you know good idea to finish in minor key, because in general most of the uh, you know other keys are major keys. Then we would thought you know to play five sonatas in major keys, and then suddenly to finish all recital in the minor key wouldn't be nice. But after all, we decided to leave this original order, and I think. It was a good idea because uh, Franz Zeidelman probably uh, wrote the same in in the same order for a reason, right? Sure. Right. Sure. Um, so that that's why we kept the original ordering too. Great. So um, um, going back to our practicing, um, you said we practiced for thirty minutes, right, each day. Approximately, I didn't measure it. Mm -hmm. but, no. So uh, it, the entire program lasts about uh, one hour, right? Sure. Like a traditional organ recital um, uh, length. So it's interesting. We chose to play on one uh, evening, one half of the program. So basically sonatas one, two, three. And on the second day, sonatas four, five, and six. And then we start alternating one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now, tell tell me, Osha, was it? Um, did you were you happy with with this kind of uh, rehearsal or or let's say practice uh, mode? Yes, actually, it wouldn't take so much time, but you know, it would keep all the sonatas fresh. Mm -hmm. So, because the program is well, normal recital program, one hour. And if if we don't if if we if you want to devo devote more time for each of the sonata, then you would need to practice like for two at least hours or more. But uh, of course, we would not uh, practice only for four hands. We would practice other things that we need to practice. And, and this was sort of additional additional practice that we did uh, at the end of the day. So I think it was wise to choose this just uh, half of the program each day and then keep alternating back and forth until uh, basically we were f we were comfortable with all six of them. Right? Sure, I agree. Okay, um, what about the uh, registration? How did uh, of course how did we this the discover the possibilities of registration for St. John's organ in for the first recital? Because St. John's church organ has three manuals, we decided to play like each sonata on a different manual and then mix them together. So we started to play first sonata on the third manual on Oberberg and then, you know, to go down to play second sonata on the second move, manual and the 
Földszonáta, amiben raptvár felhasználók. And then when we do the game, you know, with a fourth movement starting on the uh, third manual, then no fifth on the second, and to finish the G minor sonata on the grid. So it was actually nice. We haven't repeated any registration because you know, there are so many organ stops at St. John's Church. Well, exactly. Uh, our original wish was to to keep every movement sort of fresh with a different set of registration, but to keep it sort of systematic and to keep it um, simple. Simple. When the choices, when we have so many choices, like a thousand choices of registration for each movement on this large 64-stop instrument, um, we wanted to, to, to keep it simple, right? But still to keep it fresh and not to repeat any registrations. And that's why we chose to play each different sonata on each different uh, manual. And of course we have to tell our listeners that we had an assistant, right? Sure. Um, but she helped us only with page turning and to let St. John's church. Right. In Nida we turned pages for ourselves. Exactly. Um, in Nida, uh, we practiced actually turning pages by ourselves and even wrote down um, uh, places in our scores w- w- which one of us would turn the page at each particular well, place. I didn't write mine because I, I did most of the page turning because I, I was playing the first part and so sitting on the right side of the bench and it was easier for me actually closer to, you know, that place where, you know, you put your fingers in order to turn pages. But we just did it occasionally. Mm-hmm. So he had to write it down in order not to forget. Uh, and um, and then, of course, in Nida, it's a different style of organ, right? With Rook positive, only two manuals. And still we have to think, uh, to keep it simple, systematic, but unique for each movement. And I think the easiest way to do this is by having a, a, a system where you start each sonata on a different manual, then uh, continue on another manual, the second part, and then going back and forth between manuals, sort of. Sonata, sonata number one was played man, on manual two, one, and two. And then sonata number two was one two one, and number three was two one two, number four was one two one, and so on. So basically, we were kept keep uh, keep um, alternating those manuals. Um, can you tell Osha why we chose to do this this kind of uh, alternation and uh, actually not the entire sonata on one manual, but just one movement on one manual? It was an easier thing to register here and, you know, to change organ stops because the um, root positive stops are on the root positive, you know, case. So basically you have, you know, to turn back from the organ bench and then to pull them, the stops on. So it was an easier thing, I think, to do. And uh, root positive is probably the the um, division of organs, um, organ pipes, which are um, sort of not really 
uh, often found in, in our region, right? In our Catholic Catholic um, world, basically. It's more or more like a Lutheran tradition. And this is actually a Lutheran church. So organ builder Riemann Tasguches in 1984 built this organ on this idea that it was suited for the Lutheran church. And one case, this Ruk positive cult, is, is situated behind the organist. But you know, um, most of the t- time, you still have stop handles in, in, in next to the organist, right? Uh, either on either side of the organ bench, or uh, or above the key desk, right? But in this case, real positive uh, stop handles are located behind the organist too. Sure, and it makes things harder, you know, in order to register and to pull off the stops. So when one organist plays this, for example, any kind of solo recital, it's really, really tricky because um, you have to lean back and, and turn your entire upper body, your torso, sort of uh, at a 90 degree angle and grab the stop handle from the back and and pull it when you need it, right? And it's difficult because also this, the numbers or the stop names are not clearly visible. So now the organizers, I think, put put the um, uh, stickers uh, of of uh, bright uh, bright uh, sheet of paper just written in with pencil, just temporary stickers so that uh, you could clearly see the names of each stop and that really helped a lot yes and i think you did an excellent job you know registering and it was easier for me because i was not sitting on the middle of the bench i was sitting at the end at the edge of the left side of the bench so the distance between me and the rook positive uh, stops were much, much shorter, and I, I could really manipulate those stops easier. It was easy for me because I did not have any organ stops on my side, so I, I wasn't responsible for, you know, assisting mm-hmm. the stops. So the Hauptwerk, Hauptwerk, the main division stops, are also located on the left side, sort of. So you always have to do everything with your left hand. Uh, the pedal stops are located uh, above the the key desk, but we didn't use them because our program is only for four hands. Sure. So, sh- shall we talk a little bit about performance, mm-hmm. actual performance? Yeah, because uh, that's what's the most interesting, right? Uh, these adventures. And, um, uh, by the way, before performing, we had a short re- rehearsal, sort of sound check, right? Yes, it took about an hour. We sort of, uh, you know, played for like a couple pages of each movement and checked if, you know, registration works okay. And we smartly, uh, or let's say wisely, chose to write in registrations on a separate sheet of paper using... Um, um, uh, abbreviations of the stops, for example, uh, if if and and uh, foot uh, foot length also. So on the second manual, if I need the uh, principal 
4 I would I would write P4 right or a flute 8 I would write F8 sort of easier to understand and remember we did the same in the first recital in Vilnius uh, six weeks ago and it worked uh, okay um, it's important that uh, we don't waste time sure. uh, on the organ ba- bench at the actual rehearsal before the performance yes. right so we did all the preparation in our heads and uh, wrote everything on paper ahead of time yes it saved us a lot of time you know and saved us our nerves actually mm-hmm. did the did the mental prepara- preparatory work on registrations was um, sort of uh, accurate did we have to adjust something Basically, in reality, not not much. Not much. Yes. It was, it was um, satisfactory. I think yes. registration. I guess so because you see, uh, Franz Edelman didn't write it specifically for the organ. It was for any type of keyboard that you had on those in those days. So we had our choices uh, to do many many things, right? And we chose the system, right? Yes. To alternate the manuals in each in each uh, movement, and that was also easier to, to change, and sounded fresh. We didn't repeat any kind of registration, yes. this, every yes. movement is sort of new. So, Osha, did you think that the listeners could have a, could grasp, have a good grasp of the instrument, get good feeling of the tonal possibilities? Did we explore everything? Well, almost everything. Of course, we haven't used pedal because it was not necessary. Not necessary. And actually, there was one organ stop which we did not use, and it's a mixture of uh, Hauptwerk. Because actually, in this organ, it's so strong. It's awful. It's it's so loud. I mean, you it just blows you off, you know, from the organ bench when you put it on. Yeah. So we decided not to use it even for grand finale. Yeah. So a lot of organists who who play there um, sometimes don't pay attention to these uh, characteristics of the mixture and they say, oh, it's a mixture, I need to use it, right? In those culminations of my program. Um, but uh, you re- really have to pay attention to the sound, not necessarily what it says on the, the name of the stop, but uh, how it sounds, right? And there are other high-pitched sounds, uh, like uh, one-foot principle, it's called sedecima, or high-pitched fifth stop, one and one-third there, which sort of compensate for the Sure, I think we had enough sound. Mm -hmm, Of course. Uh, so, So we didn't use the mixture, and actually organizers thanked us for that. Yes. So now about the the actual performance, um, uh, we wrote everything, uh, registration ahead of time, the uh, on separate sheet of paper, put it on the music rack, and it was sort of visible to me, and we started playing on the second manual, right, and everything um, sort of was um, was sort of like. A, expected right we knew the program we knew the instrument it yes, was the yeah. f- fourth time we played there and uh, and uh, nothing really um, uh, tricky should have happened 
Uh, but <laughs> tell tell Oshra, what did you notice uh, when I was playing the s- second movement of the second sonata? Yes, I realized that you know su- suddenly something happened to the side, and I uh, just looked you know while playing that he is repeatedly you know hitting one the key, and that key is not responding. And actually what he realized to do, you know, suddenly, because it, it was going on, the real performance, because during rehearsal it, it didn't happen. You know, that he tried to play an octave higher, but, you know, that's what's where I had to play, my diapason, you know, and and when he realized that that's a bad solution, so he had to, you know, reduce his texture, so tell us more about it, it was so scary. It, uh, you know, when playing the, um, this type of um, forehand sonata, you have um, a couple of choices. You have a couple of choices to do for the left hand, because the left hand sometimes goes beyond the compass of the, of the keyboard. Um, because uh, harpsichord yes. and pianoforte uh, can go up to C or sometimes F in the uh, in the octave below the bass octave, right? So you you have those five or four keys still available, and uh, uh, there are numerous numerous p- places in in this collection that um, my compass didn't fit uh, didn't fit the the sonata too. Uh, so what I did uh, sometimes I uh, jumped up an octave, and that was usually okay, because sort of still in those places you could have figurations of the left hand uh, jumping octaves down and up, down and up, uh, and other things, other devices. So one solution was to keep it one octave higher. Another solution was to repeat. Uh, uh, the same the same uh, bass note at the same pitch level. So, if, for example, if if for example my my place has B flat and B flat an octave leap, B flat B flat B flat B flat B flat B flat like that, I could uh, I could be playing entire octave, one octave higher. Both notes, right, or. I could keep repeating this low B flat, B flat, B flat, B flat, B flat, B flat, on the same spot. So uh, I did it um, both ways sometimes. But then what Osha noticed when this um, um, note key note E A was sort of uh, not responding at all, right? I had to sort of redo something and uh, do something uh, um, creative about that. Uh, either to keep uh, going upwards into Osher's range, which was not always a good choice, or I realized I could use another manual. Yes, and that's what it's and actually it worked. Right. Okay. Not at not at the first um, in a place where that happened, but uh, soon afterwards, I decided to improvise a little bit uh, our registration of the secondary manual. Uh, and uh, to add uh, sort of similar sounds, maybe softer sounds for the bass, so that it would not be too prominent. And then 
my left hand compass would be okay and this a, a note would still be playable and then because all this adventure happened in, 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 on, in the second sonata and we still had to know so many sonatas, so many movements to come so we realized that this recital will have you know, lots, of, lots of challenges and you know, adventures mm-hmm. did um, of course um, did, did you, were you affected by my, my improvisation of those registrations or you just keep kept playing like usual I tried to keep playing but of course I was affected you know it's you you cannot not to be affected in such a because you, when you situation. because when you play together yes you sort of become part of one person yes right two people become one and uh, whenever one one person one part of you is in trouble Yes, uh, another, another person feels that. Yes, sure. It definitely feels that, and uh, I, I, I also noticed. You know what I noticed? I, I noticed whenever I, I tried to fix something in my left hand to avoid those um, sh- uh, missing A notes, uh, I noticed that Oshra, with the back of uh, of the side of her eye, is following me, right and. Uh, Basically, um, looking if if I will be you know successful in managing the situation, maybe Osha tell us a little bit what did, what were you thinking about <laughs> when you were following me? Well, I, I was scared, you know, and, and hoped that everything will work okay. You know, it's 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 not an easy thing because it's not a rehearsal. You cannot stop, you know, and fix. You just must keep going. It's a real time, right? Yes, yes. It doesn't matter what will happen. You mu- you must know. Go on. That's the the probably sign of professional, right? Um, it doesn't matter how much, how many degrees you have, how much money you are paid, right? But you have to decide. I'm not going to stop. Yes. And, uh, yeah. No matter what. Right, I, I have to keep going until the very, very last chord, and only then I will stop and bow and. Um, and actually, that's what we did, and I'm actually feel quite proud of of mm-hmm. you, actually. Uh, and the trick, probably, of not stopping is what um, is probably keeping the same pulse. Sure. Whenever you, yes. whenever you miss the the note for example or play an octave higher or 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 you know it's a silent a and sometimes i hit the silent a and it's a it's a sort of a rest right at that yes. point so it's it's it wasn't really um uh, like very very perfect left hand part right but the point was to keep the pulse and flow of music the same so that listeners downstairs would not miss a bit, would not uh, uh, notice anything. And, uh, Osha, do you think that listeners noticed something? Well, I don't think we noticed much, actually. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of them, you know, who maybe had some professional music training. So, but others, I think, did not notice. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, uh, Belize, who's our and colleague uh, 
probably noticed of some things, noticed, of course. but perhaps not all things, yes. right? Um, and uh, his his student uh, who came to listen to to this recital from Vilnius, actually, who was in the audience later, um, told us that she didn't. Yes, she but didn't. She told, didn't, yeah. didn't and she liked it. She liked so. it. Yeah. So that's the goal, actually. Whenever you play in four hands or in, in two sol- solo part of the organ, right? Whenever you play something in in public for people. Even for one person who is listening to you, keep the same pulse, keep uh, counting out the beats and um, and force yourself not to stop no matter no matter what. Yes, rhythm is the most important part. Right. There are three main elements of music, right? Rhythm, melody and harmony. And in this case I think rhythm you know is it's the most crucial part. Yes. So that was a challenge. Of course, um, imagine Osha that we hadn't had the experience of playing uh, hundreds of different instruments before mm-hmm. and hundreds of recitals, right? And imagine that was a, would would have been our second second recital uh, all together, right? Mm-hmm. We were like imagine we were students, right? Yes. Just playing uh, the organ for the I don't know first year. Would that be? Possible for us to focus so much and keep going? I don't think so. You you know you have to have an experience. Mm-hmm. Only then you can control it. When this kind of thing happens, e- even I think in this situation we might have controlled it better, but we still did you know, the, the best possible at that moment. Mm-hmm. But but it's 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 you know scary. It takes a lot out of you, and I you know I'm glad now for. Sometimes we won't have to play Franz Zeidelman. Because, you know, the texture is so, so thin of these sonatas. There are no places that you can hide, actually, you know, like in the thick texture, you know, if you will hit, like, wrong notes or something, nobody probably will notice. But in such a classical music, you know, everybody might notice mm-hmm. things. And, of course, when it's written, the music is written out, you have nowhere to hide, right? You still have to hit this A note, um, either octave higher or on another manual. Otherwise, it would sound sort of empty sometimes, right? Incomplete chord. Um, so that's one of the advantages of improvising, playing not from the score, but from your head. And um, Whenever this kind of thing happens with organs, and it happens sometimes, right, on unfamiliar instruments, whenever we improvise, we can really adjust to situation and, for example, not to use this A at all. But, well, I think in this, you know, concrete recital, you used enough of improvisatory skills, I think. Actually, that, I think, was helped you, you know, to survive. Well, exactly, because it's sort of... Uh, you used your creativity, you know, to escape this collapse. Uh, they, they say no plan survives first-hand contact with the enemy in war. Uh, so, so it's the same in our situation, right? We planned everything. We it, it wrote, wrote down registrations uh, on separate sheet of paper. We wrote uh, down the manual changes on the score with pencil, right? Like one, two, one, two, one, two. 
we did everything. We, did, we knew music very well. Actually. We did. Yeah. We knew music almost uh, by heart, but still, we couldn't plan for this unexpected moment, right? And uh, we had to adjust. Sure. Right. And um, and um, and unexpected things do happen in organs more, for example, than on any other instruments because they are so unpredictable, mechanically complex instruments, and each one of them is so unique. Yes, but maybe it's so exciting to know about. So, Osha, what is our next uh, plan uh, for the future to play? in four hands. Well, now we are thinking about Bach's Brandenburgo concertos and actually we had played two of them in the past but now we are planning to learn a couple more new and to play a recital. So we will need to do some arrangements, right? Sure. From orchestral score to reduce the texture into manageable forehand or with pedals, um, um, texture for four organ for two organists to play on the same on the same instrument on the same organ bench, and um, uh, there are uh, piano arrangements for four hands written out by uh, Max Reger actually, yes. uh, which is not not bad. Will we use that or will we? Try to do something well, on our own. You know, when we played those two Brandenburgo concertos, when 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 arrangement you made for us, and I liked that better mm-hmm. than Reger's one. Brandenburg concerto number one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, maybe what I will do is to, I will scan the music, and I will use the program called. Uh, um, uh, Sibelius, uh, Sibelius have an add-on, addition application where you can scan the music and and this scan uh, can be arranged, rearranged, uh, manipulated in various ways and put into notation and um, and then uh, printed out. Yes, and it's quite accurate nowadays. I think that's a mm-hmm. good idea. So that's what we'll do. Uh, our next recital probably will be in in the fall on uh, St. John's Church. Late in November. Venice. Late November, yeah. So, uh, let's, let's go out now and uh, let's uh, see what uh, the town of Nida has to offer. Weather is nice and we'll hear another concert uh, to, tonight where our friend uh, Balis Waitkus will be playing the organ. And um, who else will be performing? Beatrice Gilbert will be playing flute. And his wife, Gunther, will sing. Right, so exciting musical weekend, sort of. And uh, I hope you will um, uh, try those ideas that we talked about in this podcast in your uh, performance. Not necessarily in your practice, but also in your performance. Osha, before we end, can you t- tell us a little bit, uh, just one thing that uh, our listeners can apply in their practice too, how to how to prepare for the element of the surprise, of unexpected? Well, you shouldn't forget to breathe 
breathing is the most important in these situations as this is. You know, just just keep breathing. Because otherwise what happens? Otherwise you will stop. And keep panicking, right? Yes. It's a panic attack. And um, it's never, never healthy, never um, productive way to deal with the problem, problem, problem sure. with this. But if you keep breathing, you have a chance, right? Because then you, your what? Your brain gets more oxygen. Yes, and with oxygen, new ideas will, will come, which will save you. By the way, can you, can you recreate the same thing at home? Um, maybe do some some uh, sticky notes on your keyboard, sort of. Maybe your friend can do something like that to prepare for the situation, or it's not really. Well, it really will not be the same because actually, on the actual performance, you never know what will happen. So, mm-hmm. so just keep clear, clear mind, keep breathing, and uh, be prepared to improvise. Sure. And have fun. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spilkavitus. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.